Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Maybe just a quick joke while you're turning, opening your Bible. So we're preaching this series. It's called 2020 Vision and also Divine Directions. I get confused as to what the name really is. Is it Divine Direction or 2020 Vision? It's both of those two things. It's we want 2020 vision on God's divine direction for your life. So you want to see clearly, right? So there's a joke about seeing clearly. So there's, uh, there's two farmers, an English farmer and an Afrikaans farmer, a boer. So the English guy, his name, his name is Steve, and then there's Boer Piet. And Steve goes and visits Piet, and he says, Piet, neighbor, I want to buy a horse. And then Boer Piet says, Birman, you may choose any horse to buy. Shop. And then Steve looks around at all the horses that Piet owns, and he says, that one. I want that horse. And Piet says, Birman, that horse. It don't look so good. And Steve says, what's wrong with that horse? It looks fine. It's fat. And Pete says, Birman, that horse, it don't look so good. And Steve says, I want that horse. Please sell me that horse. And he says, Birman, if you want it, I give to you. It's fine. And he sells the horse to Steve. A week later, Steve phones Pete. And he says, neighbor, you sold me a blind horse. The horse can't see. And then Pete says, Birman, I tell you, the horse, it don't look so good. <laughs> I think that's like a five out of 10 joke, right? I know it's, a, it's like, yeah. But it's, it's January. We're still warming up. Uh, we're going to get there. Hopefully in February, I'm going to hit my scraps, and then uh, the jokes are going to be a bit better. So Acts 20, verses 22 to 24 Paul is speaking, and he's uh, with the church in Ephesus, and he's actually having a great time. He's ministering there. He's enjoying it. God's working. And then he speaks to the leaders, and he says the following. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship, hardships are facing me. I mean, this guy, he knows, he, he, does, he said, I don't know what to expect. The only thing I know, guaranteed, is there's going to be prison and hardship. That's always part of the deal, but I have to go because the Spirit is compelling me. And then he gives a reason as to why he thinks like that about life. Verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, we're going to dig into that. I've got four points I want to share with you. But before we do that, can I just say this? I think Paul understood calling. Now, calling is like a hot topic in the church world, especially if you're speaking to young people, millennials. We love hearing about our calling. It's like, Pastor, tell me what my calling in life is. You know, I love it. I love it when someone preaches about calling. And tonight we're preaching about calling. But I think so often it becomes my calling. And we've got these dreams of what we want to do for Jesus and get rich and famous while we're at it. It's like the big things I want to do for God, and hopefully the whole world will know the great things I did, but at least it was for God, so it's still Christian, right? I didn't do it only for myself. Whereas I think Paul understood it wasn't his calling. You don't have a calling. Only God has a calling. You don't call anything. 
God calls you to do something. We answer. That's what we do. Paul understood that it's God's calling, what he's calling me to, to, to do, but it's his calling and it's my answer. I consider my life worth nothing. I only aim to finish the race that God has set out before me. It's not my race. I didn't pick it. I only want to do what God wants me to do. Now, I'm hoping that's going to be our desire, and that is uh, my desire, that my heart would be more like that, that I would be able to say, it's not about me. I consider my own life worth nothing. I just want to finish the race that God has set before me in this season of my life. So the first point I want to look at is spirit's prompting. So four practical points that will help you to walk into the divine direction that God has for you. The first one is the Spirit's prompting. We see in Acts 20, verse 22, let's read that verse again. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. What does it mean to be compelled by the Spirit? Being compelled by the Spirit means you are pulled by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you felt like it's just that there's, there's something of a burden, there's something that's pulling you, and you feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to do something. Maybe phone a friend and tell them, ask them, how, how are you doing? We, we get pulled by the Holy Spirit. We, we get pulled by many things in life, right? I don't know if you've experienced a, a pulling like that. Recently, I've experienced it. So after December holiday, festive season, everyone wants to go on a diet, right? And uh, so my wife says, no, let, let's do just like 10 days without sugar, like a 10-day sugar fast, just to get us into a healthier habit again. And then from there, we'll see how it goes. But then, unfortunately, there is a two-liter ice cream in my fridge. I know because we, we put it there. But it's not a normal tub of ice cream. A normal tub of ice cream doesn't have that much pull. It's one of those Woolies special type of ice creams. I don't know which sort it is, but it's a very nice one. The little chocolate pieces inside. I don't know if you've had that one. It's like, yo, that, Woolies ice cream, it's got a pull. <laughs> it really has pull. Now, this whole week, trying to say no to sugar, I'm walking past the fridge, and it's like every time I pass by the fridge, it just, it just sort of pulls me, and I, and I try to walk past, and then it just pulls me. I've had countless conversations with my fridge this week. I'll literally be standing in front of my fridge, and I'm like, I know what you're hiding. I know what you've got in there, because I put it. You can't hide anything from me. Have you ever spoken to your fridge? And the fridge is just looking at me, just closing herself from me. It's like, why do you have to close yourself like that to me? And like the fridge really gave me like a cold answer. Like she's really cold. Ah, uh, no, yeah, yeah. That's like five and a half out of ten, right? We, we, we're warming up. It's January. We're going to get there. But there's this pool, and then finally the, the fridge sucked me in, and then from yesterday I've been walking past with a little teaspoon, and just, you know, just taking one bite, but when Karin doesn't see, and then later it becomes a, a big spoon, later it becomes a bowl, and then, yeah. And then later on, it's Karin's like, what happened to the ice cream? Like, Sorry. So the thing is, I want to speak quickly about this pool of the Holy Spirit, but then we've got this question, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? How do I know it's not satanic and demonic like Willie's ice cream, you know? How do I know it's not only me, that this thing that's pulling me and compelling me is actually the Holy Spirit? Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to pull you in two ways. Two possible, I think there may be more. But two ways, I think, where you can, where you can be sensitive and say, I, I think that's the Holy Spirit. 
I think that's not only me. I think the Holy Spirit is speaking. I should maybe act on this. One way is the repeated thoughts. I don't know if you've ever had that. Like, it's not when you have a thought for the first time. That thought keeps coming back. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit saying he wants you to do something with whatever that thing is. You know, it's the friend that you think about this week. Then next week, you just think about them again. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit telling you, you need to give that person a phone call or send them a message, pray for them. Maybe you need to act on that. It can be something as small as that. Maybe there's a project at your place of work, something in the city, or maybe the business that you've been dreaming about starting. Maybe if that repeated thought isn't maybe just there because it's your own thoughts, maybe that's the Holy Spirit speaking, and you just need to be sensitive to some of those thoughts that they keep coming back to you. Remember, the Holy Spirit can use your thoughts to speak to you. Maybe those are some of the things that you need to respond to. Another way in which we can know that this is maybe the Holy Spirit pulling me, it's not only, it's not only my own desires, is something called a divine burden. You know that feeling when you, you drive past something and you see something that's wrong? Maybe there's something at your place of work that you just think, this is wrong. Something in our city. And you, you just feel like, I can't take it when that happens. It's like my wife, when we walk like, somewhere and there's papers lying around. Like, she can't take it. So she picks it up and goes and throws it away. She's got this burden on her heart. But let me just say this. Sometimes the things that you carry a burden for, the things that upset you, let me put it that way. What are the things that upset you? You feel like, I can't take it. Someone needs to do something about that. Maybe that's a burden that God has put on your heart because he didn't put it on everyone else's heart. Maybe that's a burden, and sometimes the burdens is actually pointing to direction. God puts certain divine burdens on your heart to point you to a divine direction. If you ever, have you ever said the thing, that, that, that phrase, someone needs to do something about this, stop looking at the government, maybe it's you. It might as well, well be you doing something about that thing. What are the things that you feel like, I can't take it anymore? That is actually maybe God speaking to you, showing in which way you can contribute and bring God's kingdom on our, into our city, that it's heaven on earth, as Jesus prayed. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are the things that are bothering you? Those might be the Holy Spirit speaking. Now the question, okay, how do I know whether it's you know, God or if it's me? Make it real simple. Does that thing that you want to do or that thoughts that you keep on having, do they glorify God? Yes. If they do, then it's the Holy Spirit. If it's not, then maybe not. And secondly, are they to the advantage of other people? If they are, let me tell you the good news. You are not that good. You are not that nice that you just want to help people. It's probably God that's putting that desire on your heart because he is busy aligning your heart with his heart and he loves people. And if you've got a desire to help other people, it's probably God because you're not that good. It's God that's actually working in your heart. It's the first point. It's the, the Spirit's prompting. Be sensitive to the Spirit's prompting. Try and ask that question more often. Is this maybe the Holy Spirit? And if you're unsure, Act on it anyways and see what God does. If there's a friend you need to phone this week, 
please do it or go have coffee with them and just ask them, how are you doing? And just minister to them. Second point, certain uncertainty. Spirit's prompting, second point, certain uncertainty. Let's read further in verse 22. I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Do you hear that? Paul, Paul the apostle, he wrote most of the New Testament. He planted most of the New Testament churches. He's saying, I don't have the details. I think the Holy Spirit is calling me there. I don't know what's going to happen. If you don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future, it doesn't mean it's not God that's calling you. I mean, even Paul, he was very spiritual. He didn't know the details. One thing you can be certain of when it comes to divine direction is that there will be uncertainty. There will be uncertainty. You, say, you, you can't say you're living a life of faith, but you don't want any uncertainty in your life. Living with a little uncertainty is actually just living in faith. So I think sometimes it's God's kindness that withholds some of the details from us because otherwise we wouldn't move on them. Uh, this week I heard a reference and I, and I watched the YouTube clip of an old movie. I think it's called A Few Good Men. I don't know if, uh, how many of you know who Jack Nicholson is? It's an actor. That, that's how we know you are also old like me. And uh, how many of you know who Tom Cruise is? Okay, a few more people. How many of you think he's a good actor? Yeah, so, so you think, the younger people don't think they're good actors, but the people that are older like me, they think that Tom Cruise is amazing and Jack Nicholson. So they played in this movie and there's a, a scene in the movie, Tom Cruise shouts at J Jack Nicholson and he says, I want the truth. I want the truth. He even did this with his fist. And then Jack Nicholson looks at him and he says, you can't handle the truth. It's a famous line. Now, obviously, God doesn't ever say to you, you can't handle the truth. He gives us the truth. He wants to give us the truth. But I think sometimes in God's kindness and his love toward us, he protects us from the details. He doesn't give us all the details about what's to happen. If I think back on uh, when I was working for the university, uh, my wife and I, we were staying there on campus, and we had this burden on our heart that there are far too many people that, are, that don't belong to a church, that don't have transport to get to a church. We need to start some kind of ministry on campus. We had that burden on our hearts. But friends, I just want to say this. I don't think that we would have gone through with it if God showed us all the details, all the suffering and all, all the... Your, the struggles with finding venues. The, my wife has probably baked, I don't know, thousands and thousands of muffins because we told the students you can have free food if you come to this church. So it's, Saturday nights, she was just baking muffins. Every Sunday morning, and I mean, that was my weekend, so I only had a one-day weekend from then because on Sunday morning, six o'clock, we were busy packing sound because we said yes to that thing. I think if God showed me that details beforehand, I'm not sure whether I would have taken the first step. So sometimes not knowing the, God, uh, the details, it's actually God's kindness. He just wants you to be obedient with the current step you need to take. Psalm 119 verse 105 says the following, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Now I love this picture. I don't know if you know what a lamp is. It, the Bible doesn't say your word is a spotlight to my future. <laughs> Right? We don't get the spotlight to our future. We know all the details, what's going to happen. No, no, it's like a lamp. It just shows you your feet and the next two steps. That's it. And then you take it and you follow. 
And you take the next step. In obedience, we follow God. We don't have to know the details. And besides, why is the details important? Our only job is to answer the call. Our only job is to be obedient to whatever God is calling us to. I think we need to stop worrying about the details Stop, stop for young people. Stop dreaming about your future so much. I'm also guilty of that. Stop dreaming about your future so much and the details of that thing and just ask the question, God, in which way should I be obedient this week? Just be obedient in the next step. If you're just gonna be obedient in the next step and then the next one, guess what? You're never gonna miss the calling. You're never gonna miss the divine direction that God has for you. You don't have to have it figured out. Just follow wherever God is leading you, where the Spirit is prompting you next and take the next step. If you think about Paul, I mean, that's quite amazing. Paul the Apostle, he, he wrote most of the New Testament. He um, planted many, many of those churches. And he, he's got this big influence in, in the church and in Christianity today. Do you think he masterminded it? Do you think he planned it to the T? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to plant churches. I'm going to write the New Testament. No. When he wrote letters to the churches, he didn't know it's going to be in the Bible. He was just being obedient to what the Holy Spirit was leading him to do. He didn't mastermind the whole thing. Don't focus so much on the details of your future. Just be obedient to what God's telling you now. That's it. And the certainty... There's uncertainty. If you want certainty, God does promise some things as certainty. He tells us, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Wherever I'm going to lead you to go, even if you don't know the details, don't worry, I'm right there next to you. And I know the future, so I'm going to guide you. I'm going to watch over you. God does promise us that, but he doesn't promise, promise us the details. He calls and we just need to answer and say, God, what do you want to do? I consider my life worth nothing. My only goal is to obey this very next step that you give me. Third point, predictable resistance. One thing I can guarantee you, if you are going to walk into the divine direction that God has for you, is that there is going to be opposition. If you are not willing to face some opposition, some opposition in your, your, your desire to obey God, then you're not ready to be used by God. It's as simple as that. If you don't get to that point where you say, God, well, it doesn't matter. There's no conditions. I say yes. And even if it's tough, I'm going to say yes. It's only when we're at that place where God can start using us. But if we're not willing to face some opposition and some resistance in our desire to obey God, then we're not ready to be used by God. It's verse 23 in Acts 20 that says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. It's quite interesting. The Holy Spirit doesn't tell Paul, you know, in Jerusalem, you're going to get locked up and there's going to be many hardships. He doesn't say, so don't go. He just says, Paul, you know, you're going to get locked up and there's going to be many hardships. I want you to go. It's like we can be sure that there is going to be resistance, there is going to be opposition when we follow God. Now, for some reason, I think we sometimes think, I'm also guilty of this, whenever there's opposition, whenever there's resistance, when we want to follow God, we think God's not in it. Because, you know, God should have opened the door. You know, we think whenever it's difficult, 
then maybe God's not in it and we run away. We quit. And if you think about it, let me ask you this question. When will the enemy start to attack you? Is the enemy bothered by you when you're not following God? No, it wants to keep you there. He wants to keep you just there where you're just living for your own comfort and just, you know, not really following God that much. But as soon as you say, God, I'm all in, where do you want to go? That's when the enemy is going to start attacking you. That's when it's going to start getting difficult for you. Now, I want to say this. I'm not a guy that looks for the enemy behind every bush. I do believe that there is an enemy, and he's got a problem with you if you are trying to serve God, most definitely. But at the same time, I also just want to say this. Remember what we're trying to do. If you're following God, what we're saying, what we believe we need to do, for instance, as a church, and we believe about every single person sitting here, that you are a city changer. God has called you to say, God, may your will be done on earth as in heaven, in Bloemfontein as in heaven, in my place of work as in heaven, in my place of study as in heaven. That's what God has called you to do. Now, listen to this. You are living in a broken world. The world that you are living is broken, and you're trying to fix something that is broken. Is that going to be easy? No. I mean, our church, we've got a big heart for the poverty in this city. It's a difficult problem. Of course, it's going to be difficult. And so if you are facing opposition, maybe that's just part of the thing that we call to. We are called to create order out of chaos because we are living so, so often in chaos, but we want to create order and we want to establish the kingdom of God. If it's difficult, that's fine. It doesn't mean God's not in it. It might be the indication that it is actually God that is leading you. Maybe just the last point before I go to point number four, which will be the last one is sometimes in the struggle, the reason why we shouldn't run away from the struggle isn't only because, you know, we should keep on at it because we're going to break through and, and, you know, God wants to change something in that area. Sometimes in the struggle, God wants you to remain faithful there. Why? Because God's not only working through you, He's also working in you. Sometimes when there's opposition and struggle, don't think it's not from God. Those are sometimes the times where God actually wants to work in you. Friends, if I think back at my previous job and some of the things we did there, man, I really had a cool job. I really loved it. But yo, I can tell you stories of some of the difficulties that I experienced there, some of the challenges. And if I think back at that, I would not want to trade that for anything else. Why? Because God used that place to work in me. He used difficulties and struggle to do something in me. Maybe God wants to work in you. If there's resistance, don't run away from it. Embrace it. Say, this is part of the deal. And secondly, I know God is busy sanctifying me. If you are struggling, if God is calling you to serve somewhere at church, or he's calling you to start some kind of project uh, in our community or in our city, and you realize, well, that's gonna be tough because my calendar is really busy. Of course, it's gonna be tough. Don't run away from it. Don't run toward comfort and luxury the, the whole time. Say, so I'm going to have to figure this out because in the end, I'm giving of myself so that others may benefit. That's part of the package. Of course, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a time slot in your calendar. It's going to cost you resources at some level. It's going to cost you energy to serve the city and, and walk into the divine direction that God has for you. Don't run away when there's opposition. First point, the Spirit's prompting. Be sensitive to the Spirit's prompting. Second point, let me just see what the second point was. 
Certain uncertainty. I was a bit unsure about the second point. Certain uncertainty. It's okay if you don't know the details. Just obey God in the next step that you're taking. The third point is predictable resistance. It doesn't mean it's not from God when there's resistance. The fourth point is a faith to start. Now, with this fourth point, I just want to say this, that with this fourth point, I want to, I want to just wrap up this sermon, but also just wrap up the series that we've been doing about your divine direction. For many people, it's the start that stops them. You might have experienced that. You know, that thing that God has spoken to you about so many times, but you just never took the first step. Because you, I think sometimes the thing we struggle with is we see all the before and after photos. We see the guy that was broke and now he's got a multi-billion dollar company. We see, you know, the person that went on a diet and how they looked before and now afterwards. And so if we don't see the end, the details and certain success, then we don't start. It's the start that often stops us. Let me just say this. You don't have to have the faith to finish. You don't have to have the faith to, to bear all the details. You just need the faith to start. You just need the faith to start because God's going to tell you what the next step will be. And he's going to give you the strength. He's going to guide you in the next steps also. So how do you do something big? Just think about that. Some of the dreams that you might have had. How do you do something big? By taking a very small first step. Anything of significance ever that has been done was done after a very small first step was taken. You know, someone that started the business, they started with doing research, or they started by phoning a friend. Hey, buddy, so I know you've got a business. How do I start a business? Maybe, you ha maybe that's on your heart, but you haven't made the phone call. You haven't spoken to anyone. <laughs> it's by that first, you know, those first steps that aren't that romantic by going to SARS, registering your, your business, or whatever the, the first couple of steps are. You need to take the first steps if you want to do something big. And the same thing for Paul that did something big for God. He said, God, what do you want me to do? What's the next step? And take the next step. There's a verse, Zechariah 4 verse 10 says the following. I love this. So this is actually, I was surprised to realize this is actually in the Bible. It's not only a bumper sticker. It's actually in the Bible. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I love that. You see, God is not only into you succeeding and, and doing that big project. He's into you taking that first step. Why? Because he's more into your obedience than what he is into your work. Guess what? He doesn't need your work. He doesn't need the beautiful projects that I've got planned for the kingdom of God. He can just use someone else or he can just do it by himself. But he loves it when I'm obedient when I do this. Okay, first step. Okay, let's go. When you do that. God rejoices when the work begins because you are obeying what God is putting on your heart. Starting small doesn't mean thinking small. If you want to do something big, you can think big, but you need to still start small. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you, what is the first step that you need to take? Because I'm trusting God is speaking to you, and He is directing you in a particular direction, and tonight might be that first step for you. Maybe you've already taken the first step, but you got stuck somewhere along the line, and you need to, uh, to keep on moving, and that's what maybe God wants to tell you tonight. Let me read you another verse, um, just to end off that uh, point. It's in Luke 16. Jesus speaks, and he says the following. 
if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Man, we all have got this dream that God would use us in a big way. I remember when I was leading a community group, I had this dream, God, I want to lead a church. But I know for a fact, at that moment in time, God didn't give me a church to lead. He was asking, you know those four people in your community group, are you leading them? Just be faithful in the little things. How can God trust you with that big project, that big dream, that big business where you're going to be so generous and, and help us to solve some of the poverty issues in, in this city? You know that big idea that you have? How's God going to entrust that to you if you can't even do this? Okay, first step. Let's get this thing going. What's that first step you need to take? Be obedient in the small step even now so that God can entrust many more things to you. And if you do that, I believe there's going to come a day where you're going to look back. You've taken a very small step in the beginning in the right direction, but one day you're going to look back and realize that was the biggest step you took because it was in the right direction. It was in a divine direction. Maybe one last story, um, and then uh, we're going to close. So four years ago or five years ago, um, there was a couple in this church that did this very thing. They saw in the winter of Bloemfontein, we, we know Bloemfontein winters can get ugly. I mean, it, it's violent, right? And uh, we all have driven on the streets of Bloemfontein, and you see people with not enough clothes. Those are less fortunate, and you think, like, man, how do they survive in the cold? And you see people wearing clothes that are maybe, you know, have got holes in them. I know for some people that's like fashion, but, you know, for some people they don't prefer it that way. But there was a couple, they saw the very same thing. And at one stage, they, on the internet, they saw or read about this thing called Street Store, which is an initiative that started somewhere else in the world, where you ask people to bring all their second-hand clothes that they're not wearing, to bring it to a place, and then you set up a store, and you tell all of the people in the city that are less privileged, come and shop for clothing, but you don't have to pay. You can choose the clothes that you want. It's not a black bag of clothes just being chucked at you at the robot. You're going you're gonna to say, I want, I'm this size. That's the pants that I want. I want these shoes. I want, you know, it's, it's a wonderful initiative. So, so they heard about that thing. And what happened? There was a prompting by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was busy pulling them and they recognized this is actually the Holy Spirit speaking to me. There's a need in our city I see someone did something like that. I don't know. Maybe we can do something. I don't know. You know what they did? You know what their first step was? Their first step was a phone call to one of the leaders at the church. It was a phone call saying, hey, can we come see you? Um, there's something that we think maybe we can start together, you know, as a, as a church. A phone call turned into a conversation that turned into a, yes, let's go for it, turned into Street Store 2016 just from a divine burden. Now, just listen to this. This couple, if they just took their clothes and they gave it to someone, maybe they could have given 50 items of clothing. They would have maybe helped one family. This is what happened. Because they listened to the Holy Spirit's prompting, they took the first step in obedience, not worrying about the details. 2016, 900 people came to the street store that were helped with clothes. 900 people. That's way more than what they ever could have done because they obeyed God in that small step. 
2,700 items of clothing was given by us as a church. Everyone said, no, no, I've got clothes. Let's, you know, let's bless the people in our city. 2,700 items of clothing that helped 900 uh, shoppers or less privileged people. And now four years later, 2019, last year, this thing kept on growing. You know what happened? The rest of the Doxadeo family said, hey, the street store thing you did in Bloemfontein, that's pretty cool. Uh, I think we can help some people in our city also. Last year, there were nine sites, nine different sites. In Bloemfontein, we were two of those sites. And across those nine sites, listen to what happened, is across nine sites, 9,567 people were helped. 9,000 people. That couple would have never been able to dream something as big as that. But because of a small step of obedience into the right direction, nine, almost 10,000 less privileged people were given clothing, and it's 28,701 items of clothing. It's almost, almost 30,000 items of clothing that were given. And, and here's the cool part. Not only are less privileged people being blessed by this, the poor. The Bible says we should look after the poor. But secondly, because of Street Store, there's been partnerships with other churches, churches that are you know, partnering in this uh, project, other schools, other businesses that have also contributed and partnered with us. And a community, leaders and community have been speaking to each other on this because of this project, bringing people together. Because someone said, well, I think maybe this is the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Let's speak to someone and let's take a first step. You can't imagine what God can do with a lifetime of obedience, just taking the next step. You will not be able to imagine what God can do if you just have the faith to start and take the first step. Let's all stand together. The smallest step in the right direction can change your life. The smallest step in the right direction can change your life. Many years later, you're going to look back and realize that was the biggest step that you have ever taken because it was in the right direction. Let me ask you this. I want to pray for us. Now, I think there are many different people that maybe need prayer or just want to pray with me. Uh, the first one is if you know that you are called to be a city changer in some way, you know that there's something, a project that God has placed on your heart. Maybe a project at work, know, maybe a ministry that you have to start. Something you need to do. Maybe a friend you need to call or just reconnect with. Whatever that thing is, I want to encourage you tonight just to take the first step. You know what that thing is. If God hasn't put something there yet, that's fine. Just wait for the Spirit's prompting, but be sensitive to that. Secondly, I want to invite those who are maybe new to church. I know one of the biggest steps that I've taken in my life, and at the time, it was a really, really small step, was when I joined a church. Maybe you're here tonight and uh, you've been visiting, but you haven't joined a church. And I want to say this, I want to invite you to join this church, most definitely. Uh, if you don't like us, then, you know, go find a church and join it, you know. But I want to invite you to come and join the church if you are not part of this family yet. Maybe you've been attending, but you know you need to become part of the family because you've had that thought many times. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying, maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's time for you tonight to go to Starting Point or to join a community group, whatever the case might be, to take one step closer to a spiritual family. If that's you, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. And we're going to pray wherever you're going to be in terms of your place with God. You're going to pray with me. And then lastly, I want to just make this invitation. Uh, invitation. 
<laughs> this invitation. <laughs> My English is up. The biggest step that I've ever taken in my life was to decide I'm going to follow Jesus. The biggest step of my life was a very small step one day in church when I decided I'm going to change direction. I want to go into the direction of Jesus. I realized that the Spirit was calling. He was pulling me because he did it even before I went to church. The reason I went to church was because the Spirit was pulling me. And when I was sitting in church, I just said, hey, I think that's me. And I took a very, I mean, lifting up your hand, that's a very small step. If I look back, it is the single biggest step that I've ever taken my whole life. It totally changed the trajectory, the, the, the direction of my whole life because of that one small step. And if I, I want to give you the opportunity, if that's you, if maybe you're on that place where you know, well, that's the, the, the I, I need to take my first step of faith. If that's you, I want to give you the opportunity also. So let's maybe start there. If that's you, I want to ask you to just raise your hand and say, tonight, I want to take my first step of faith. Um, that's what we believe we call to do, and that's why I take that step every Sunday, almost every Sunday when I preach, because I believe God is telling me to do that, make that invitation. So let me ask you, is that you? Is there anyone that needs to follow Jesus, that you want to take the first step tonight? I want us to pray with you, spend time with you, get to know your story, and include you in this family. Is anyone like that? You can raise your hand now. Anyone? Let's give a few more moments. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been tugging in your heart, and you know you want to make right with God, and you want to start walking in this new direction. Anyone? Not? No one. So out of obedience, I do that. And I want to ask you, in this week to come, maybe just on that point, I'm trusting I'm not saying it will happen to you, but I'm trusting God. I'm asking God right now that he will prompt you and he's going he's gonna to put you in contact with a friend that doesn't know Jesus. And you're going to feel the Spirit's prompting to invite them to church or to witness to them in some way. And I'm hoping and praying that God's going to use you to lead someone else to Christ also. May that happen to you this week. May you be encouraged to invite people that don't know Jesus so that we can make that invitation to them. And then secondly, and or for the other two points, if you know there's something you need to start, uh, or maybe a friend you need to phone, or maybe just take a step closer to church, church family. You're already following Christ, but you need to become part of family. I want you all just to, to raise your hands with me, just as a sign of saying, God, there's something I know I need to start to take a first step, and uh, we just want to pray together. So if that's you, we just uh, quickly want to pray together. You can just raise your hand. You don't even have to raise them high. It's just a sign saying, God, uh, there's a first step that you know that I need to take and uh, I want to be obedient tonight by saying, yes, Lord, whatever you want of me, I want to go in that direction. Great. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you see all of our hands, God. You see all of the hearts, and you know every single person's details, God. You know the next step that you are pulling them toward, God. I want to ask that you'd give them the courage and the faith to start. Even if it's just taking the second or the third step, God, would you give them the faith to take that step, God? And one day as they look back, God, would you bless this journey? God, I want to ask as a church, all of us standing here, God, I want to ask that you would give us uh, the, the courage to be obedient to your every single call. We ask that in your name alone. Amen. Amen. You're welcome to take your seats. Aiden. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.